every veil. Let, let your healing solve, anoint our eyes, Jesus, and remove the barrier. And we could follow in suit to the most high God who's here and he's saying, fear not, I am. Amen. the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, if that's me or not, man. Am I even on? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? No? No? Yeah, there, there we go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Try that again. Amen. <laughs> Let's give it up. Man, I just not just say give it up. What I want to say is just say thank you for that leadership that we just had. That is amazing, amazing leadership right there in action, man. Uh, just, just great leaders right there. And, you know, when somebody can lead you uh, into the presence of God, not that he, you were never, not that he's not here, but like sometimes we're just not there. You know what I mean? And when the people can just lead you to be right there before God, recognize, and man, it's just a great thing. And I am, I don't know about you, I'm very appreciative and very thankful for that because sometimes you just got to get out of our head. So praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so uh, Jessica kind of, uh, you know, shared a question. I want to ask you that question again. Uh, last week we had a challenge for you guys, right? It was a prayer challenge. You remember? Uh, to pray a week of prayer with only thanksgiving and, and only praise. How many, anybody here knocked that out or did try that or give it an attempt? Of quite a few of you. Right on. Cool. Yeah, Debbie and I, we really went for it. And, uh, you know, I think she probably did better than I did because a couple of times you'd be praying, right? And you're like, oh, crud, I'm not supposed to be asking for something, right? And I'm like, sorry, you know, and guys like, I'm not really tripping on that right now, but okay. You know, but, uh, but it was, I think it was really, really important. I think God was actually doing something uh, with us, to us, for us, to get us ready for today. I truly mean that. I truly, I truly believe that because, uh, you know, that prayer of praise, that prayer of thanksgiving, just continually, every day, those just, that's all. We didn't ask for nothing. It just puts you in that place where, you know what, you, you know, you, you knew you, it was time for you to get close and it was time for you to stay close. Amen? All right, say get close. Say stay close. Now, Charlie, say get close. Say stay close. Right on, <laughs> right on, man. And, and I think we needed that today, man, because it's a little crazy. All right, that is me. That is me. So if I need to change mics, just let me know. All right. Um, but I think it was important for us to, to get there and to get into that place because today there's some heavy word. All right, and so we're just going to jump into this and, uh, and just see where, where, where God leads us. Just to set the scene, Jesus, all right, is uh, in the company of a few Pharisees. All right, so there's a couple of Pharisees here. All right, he's in the company of his, uh, his apostles. All right, his 12 apostles are there and, 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 a, and a multitude of men and women who are just following Jesus along. Disciples of Jesus Christ are also there as well. All right, and then now us, and here we are. So check this out. I'm gonna pray uh, really quickly and then we're gonna read through this word. Father, we just give you the praise. Uh, we just give you all the glory. And we're so thankful, Lord God, for, for just, man, just who you are in our life, Lord God, and the fact that we could actually, uh, we're not so blinded maybe as many of us used to be from you. We have blinded ourselves or we allowed ourselves to be blinded. We're not so blinded, Lord, of your presence, Lord, of, of your word, Lord God, of your son, Jesus, of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for just revealing these things to us. And Lord, we pray, Lord, in the name of Christ that you would help us just get underneath your word today and just to listen 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so we're in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. I'm going to read through it really quickly. And then uh, let's just see what God is doing here. Verse 20. So being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And he turns to the disciples. And he said to the disciples, you know, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they'll say to you, man, look there, or, or, or look over here. Don't go and follow them. For as lightning flashes and, the, and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will be the Son of Man in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating, they were, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were building, they were planting and building. But on the day when Lot went from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Are you listening? Stay with me, check this out. Because on that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in the night there will be two in bed and one will be taken and the other will be left. There will be two women grinding. One will be taken and the other left. And some of your versions add another verse there. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the corpse is there, the vultures will gather. Woof. <laughs> right? Praise the Lord. Here's what I know, man. Most everyone on the planet knows everyone, most everyone on the planet knows that this world has an expiration date. All right. Most everyone you know, every one of us here, everybody on the planet can, you know, knows that the whole planet has an expiration date. We know this, man. We look on the news today. Take a look across the terrain, man, and there's all this stuff happening. You're like, man, this is not going to last that long. All right? We just know it. And some ain't trying to hear it, man, and others, that's all they can think about. The question is, where do you stand? Where do you stand? This is a question. This today, I'm telling you, is a very, very important message. And this is a very, very important question. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit, but it'll make sense here in a bit. <laughs> the knob on my oven broke off. All right? It freaked me out. Broke off. The little silver thing came out. It's not, it doesn't work. All right, you can turn the little metal thing, and, you know, but you can't tell how hot the oven is. And I'm trying to make cookies. All right? And that freaks me out because I like cookies. All right? I like cookies a lot. And we're trying to make some cookies. All right? And so I'm trying to guess where the heat is. 
all right? And I'm trying to guess how much time to put them in there, to leave them in there. And every time I think they're done, they're, you go to get it, so they're all like, you know, they're like, we're not done yet. And they're like, all right, so I'll put it in a little longer. Still not done. Put it in there a little longer. Still not done. So what do I do? I turn the heat up, all right? Came back, they're all burnt. I'm like, well, this is great. So then I decided, okay, where's all I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put the heat, I'm just gonna guess some steady little area right there. I'm gonna put this new batch in, all right? And I'm just gonna leave it in there and just keep checking. All right, it took me an hour to cook five cookies because that's all I had left. I ruined every one of them. I had five cookies left. It took me an hour to pull them dang cookies out and they were delicious, they were great. All right, why? Because I just let them cook as long as they needed to cook, all right, on a steady heat. When it comes to these times, right? I told you it's gonna be weird. When it, when it comes to these times that Jesus is referring to, man, the cookies are gonna be ready when they're ready. That's all I know. That's all I know. They're going to be ready when they're ready. Our job is to stay hot and stay steady. Amen? <laughs> stay hot and steady. <laughs> all right, that's you. That's me. Somebody say, hey, what you doing? Just staying hot and steady. You know what I mean? That's all we're doing. All right? <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. You know, when it comes to these times, that's our job. You see, there are a lot of folks, man, who define their whole life on, on, on last day events. All right? That's all they do. They define their whole life on last day events. I'm putting this way, putting this way. Got a tunnel behind my house and all kinds of crazy stuff like this. They ain't got a lot of friends. All right? You know what I mean? But that's all they, that's all they focus on. And on the other hand, we know that this will all end, man, and we can't ignore that. There was a guy, his name was Roger Kahn. He wrote a book a while back called The Boys of Summer. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys remember, but the Dodgers used to be in Brooklyn. Anybody remember the Brooklyn Dodgers? Back in the day, all right? Uh, and he wrote this book, all right? And it was kind of called The Boys of Summer. It's kind of a where are they now book, all right, of some of the former Brooklyn Dodgers uh, uh, baseball players. And uh, he went and found them like 20 years later to see how they're doing. Some of them were doing great. Others weren't doing so hot. Two that stood out, you know, at least to me, were two guys, uh, Clem Levine, all right? He was the relief pitcher. I don't know if you guys knew much about these guys, but he, he lived and breathed for the team, all right? They were actually, the team members said, he is the heart and soul of this team. All right, he was the first to arrive at any game and any practice, and he was the last to leave, all right? Baseball was his life, all right? And he didn't have time for anything, and he barely, rarely had time for family, especially his young son. And uh, Roger catched up with him 20 years later to see how he's doing. He wasn't doing that great at all. And he actually, you know, baseball was over and it was done and he wasn't in it no more. And, he, and his young son, he said, my son, you know, that I had no time for now has no time for me. And he was living dis discouraged life. There was another guy he interviewed. His name was Carl Erskine. He was the actual picture, the picture of the team. Right, he won five National League pennants, all right, and you know, 1955 World Series. He struck out 981 guys. I don't know, I don't, I'm not a real baseball fanatic, but that sounds like a lot of strikeouts. Um, 981. Preached two, I'm preached, thinking there, he's a pitcher. Pitched, not preached, pitched two no hitters, all right, pretty cool. I think that's kind of cool when you preach, you know, preach, preach a no hitter, that's awesome too. All right, pitch a no hitter, right? Yet all this great stuff, but baseball didn't dominate his life. He was the first to admit, man, that, that you know what, his life was his family. He had one son, he had four kids. One son was a handicapped kid. And he geared his time, you know what I mean? He was baseball, yeah, he did all that, was great at it, but he was better at being a dad and a husband and a family person. He geared his time towards those responsibilities 
And years later, man, dude's still alive. Carl Erickson, he's in his 80s now. He's still alive, man, still living a fruitful life and fulfilled life. Here's what I know, man. Good days or bad days, we still need to have an eye on the future. And we need to live today and build today according to that future. You know, you know, we're not so focused just on the future, not just focused on the past, but you know, we have an eye on the future and we're taking care of today. All right, I got a little thing. You might be able to challenge this statement right here, but the way I live my life today just might be proof of where I will live tomorrow. The way I live my life today just might be proof of where I live my life tomorrow. If I live my life sold out for Christ, his witness, his son, for his glory, all right, living and loving the people that he loves, all right, and, you know, that's proof of where my life is going to be with him, you know, tomorrow. If I'm here just, you know, wiping on God, denying God, want nothing to do with God, you know what, then we choose. We make our choice and we belong to our choice. Let's check out our scripture, Luke 17, verse 20. Here we are, the scene. Again, remember, we got the Pharisees kind of hanging out there, trying to catch Jesus up, trying to see if they can get him to answer some questions wrongly. And then we have the disciples and all the, you know, and his apostles and everybody that are right there. And so being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom will come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. He tells them, man, he says, you know what? He tells them the kingdom of God is not coming in a way that you can calculate or map out. And constantly people are trying to calculate and map out, man. I think they, some people think they got it down to the month, even to the day, and they're definitely the year, all right? Those people right there, I'm like getting away from. I'm like, I don't want to do, dude, you're just, you're just way off. You're freaked out. You need to go, you know, to go buy a slushy or something and just chill, all right? And so I is like, you're just too up in it. And so too often people, man, I think, and I see this a lot too, too often people are just trying to see how close they can just skirt up to the line, all right? Trying to see where's that line so they can just keep living like hell all, all their life and just all of a sudden see that line where heaven's at, here it comes, boom, boom. And what Jesus is basically saying, man, when you see the line, it's too late. If you can see the line, he's saying, it's too late for you to skirt right up to the line. This is an important message, man, are you hearing me? This is important on a couple of different levels, and I'll share this. You know, you got to make sure you're listening. We can't deny that Jesus himself said this stuff. He says, Norm, Norm, will they say, look here, here it is, or there. Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And they didn't get this. What Jesus was actually saying is the kingdom was right here in front of you. The king himself, here's the king, right in front of you. Jesus himself showing up on the plane basically inaugurated the beginning of the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is in misery. The king was right in front of you, so therefore the kingdom was already getting started, but it wasn't completely yet. And you said that doesn't make sense, and you, you will, it will here. You see, the king showed up, and the kingdom has started, and kingdom people started living the kingdom life, but the kingdom of God has not quite shown up yet. So it's already, but not yet. And you're like, I don't quite get that. Think about this, man. When you become pregnant, all right, when your family, when you guys become pregnant, all right, you start living as parents immediately. It just starts taking place. There's a little tiny life just, just floating around in there, right? Kind of doing its thing. 
All right, when you know you're pregnant, you immediately become pregnant uh, pre- parents and you start living as parents live. Your finances change and the way you're viewing your finances starts to change. Your house starts to be rearranged and you're putting a little safety stuff up and you start living, picking stuff off the, off the floor and stuff, all right? You maybe even start to rethink the car and the kind of car that you're gonna be driving. You start talking differently, you start living differently and you're anticipating this new little life. It's crazy how it happens. When we were grandparents, I got to tell you, man, every, every time Debbie and I were in there in the, on the hospital waiting for our grandchild to be born, and there were like six people in the room, all of a sudden, boom, there's seven people, and nobody came in that door. <laughs> but we've been getting ready for this and living as parents. And then you receive the child, and the promise becomes a reality for you and your family. You see, the moment you give your life to Christ, our king, you become a kingdom person, right? You live as a kingdom person. Things change. Things are rearranged in your life. You don't, you know, you start, you start talking differently. You start thinking differently. You start planning differently. You start living and loving differently. And you're filled with the spirit of the king. But the promise of the kingdom has not yet been completed. Does that make sense now? No? Can we say it again? <laughs> Maybe. You see, they didn't get this. The Pharisees didn't get this because they didn't get him. They didn't recognize the king of kings, the Lord of all, who was right there in front of them. And so he turned to the disciples. This is such an important message, guys. He turns to the disciples. And he says, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. And you, sh- you, you will not see it. You know, surely sometimes, you know, even we, and they, they he's saying, you guys, and, but even we too sometimes say, man, I wish Jesus was here. Like, I could just sit here and talk with him. And then, and then, and then you'll maybe even say, oh, it's going to be great when he comes back. Can't wait till he comes back. Both are going to keep you from living kingdom life today. If you're living in the past, man, man, I wish it was like that, or I can't wait till it's like that. You're, you're missing what it is right now. This life in the kingdom, this kingdom life. And then, and then Jesus said, this is Jesus talking. He said, and they will say to you, look there, or look here. Don't go out and follow them, right? For, for, for as lightning flashes and the skies light up, all right, from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. He says, so, you know, people are like still to this day try to tell you, you know, Jesus, he's in New York, or he's over here in, you know, in, in, uh, in Bangladesh or whatever. You know what I mean? We just saw him. He says, don't believe none of that stuff. He says, when I come, guarantee you're gonna, you, you won't miss it. There won't be a person on the planet, dead or alive, who will miss it. There will not be one. He says, but first, look at verse 25, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Again, he goes back to the gospel, all right, and he reminds them of a different kingdom dynamic and king dynamic that that everyone was preaching at that time. See, at that time, the gospel was that this warrior king was going to come and just smash Rome because they figured that Rome was their greatest enemy at the time, all right, in the context of this, this, actually, this, this actually taking place. You know, the gospel that was being preached among the people as they're waiting for this Messiah, this warrior king, who's going to deliver them from Rome thinking that Rome was their biggest enemy, but they didn't understand that Rome was not their biggest enemy. 
Today, we have all kinds of things in our life, man. They're just pressing on us. We're like, man, smash it, Lord. Just smash it and just smash it and just smash it. And God's, you know what? That's not, you're like, this is the greatest enemy in my life right now. That is not the greatest enemy. The greatest enemy in your life is your sin, keeping you away from God. The enemy of all enemies, all right, just tempting you and just trying to talk you in and giving you lies to believe. See, the greatest enemy of, of, of Israel at that time was not, was not Rome, it was their sin. And now this servant king, all right, this servant king that showed up on the scene at that time was gonna come and smash the sin. He was gonna give his life for you and for me on the cross. And he was gonna tell death, he rose from the grave. Death, okay, now what? What you got now? You got nothing. And then he will return, I tell you what. And then, then the warrior team, king is going to return. And we're waiting for the, the warrior t- king to return. And I guarantee you, man, when he comes back, you want to be riding with him. There's no doubt. You want to be riding with him. Too often we expect him to crush every one of our battles when he's already won the war. Are you hearing me? He's already won the war. Are you hearing me? Say, praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Come on with me. Help me preach, man. Come on, man. I'm looking for you. I'll tell you what. It's hard to hear. Yeah, okay. Me too. This is a very, very important message. He says, now this is, it gets crazy. Look at, just as it was in the days of Noah, all right, uh, Genesis chapter six, you need to check that out. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the son of man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until that day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and was destroyed them all. You're like, what's wrong with that? Genesis chapter six, verse five says this, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intention of the, of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. God said, I made this planet, man. I made this beautiful planet. I made this group of beautiful people, all right? And only one family on the whole planet, there's only one family on the whole planet that is actually looking to me, all right? Talking with me, listening to me, obeying me, loving me as I love them and recognizing the love. There's only one family. Everybody else on the planet was like, get away from me. I want nothing to do with you. And so God said, I'm gonna start over with this one family. Hold on to that. Likewise, just as in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 19. I think it's verse 1 through 29. All right, and there's this whole story. And then 18 gives you, Genesis 18 gives you the backstory. But basically, once again, God is saying there's this, there's this two communities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and there's just one family, Lot's family. Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. They were betrothed to be married. They were getting ready to get married. They had two fiancés, all right? But God says, look at man, this whole town, these two towns, exceedingly evil. How did he know? He sent two, he sent two, well, he knows everything, but he sent two angels. Check this out. You need to hear this. Are you listening? I can't hear. Are you listening? This is an important message. Are you here? 
Hallelujah, thank you. Check this out. He's, he sent two angels, all right, to go and witness to this town and to, and to go and love into this town. And they showed up, Lot saw them, and he's like, man, you know what? You guys come and stay at my house. They said, no, man, we're gonna go stay inside the square, out in the square. He says, no, don't go there, because he knew the people. He knew how wicked they were. He says, don't go there. He says, come into my house and stay here. They said, okay. As soon as the people in town found out that these two angels were in Lot's house, they came banging on Lot's door saying, send those guys out so we could have sex with them. Seriously. Genesis, I can't make this up. This is a real story. Genesis chapter 19. Send those guys out there so we can have sex with them. Lot's like, no, 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 man. Can't do this. And the angels were saying, we got to get you guys out of here. God's going to judge this place. Hardcore. One family. Lot tried to talk his son-in-laws. Man, come with me. They're like, man, this ain't real. He's like, all right. Took his wife and his two daughters and they split. And it said that, that God destroyed the town. Each time there were righteous people, man, that, that God delivered first. Each time there was a, and, and he says, just as it was in the days of Noah, just as it was in the days of Lot. So it's gonna be, it hasn't happened yet. We're still awaiting. So it's gonna be in the days of God, the son of God. And he's gonna be looking. Who's sealed with the blood of the lamb? Who's, who's, been, who's been bought and paid for by the blood of the lamb and sealed with his Holy Spirit? He sees right now. And this is what he's looking for. This is such an important message. He says, so will be on, the, on, on that day when, when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife, what took place at that, at that moment, man. They were leaving. They left all their stuff. They said, just leave it. Get out of here. It's getting ready to get crazy. God, you know, and these angels, they took, they took these guys out of there, right? And Lot's wife, man, she just wanted her stuff. She looked back for her stuff. She looked back at the life she was giving up, and God says, now, nah, man, this is a forward life. You're not controlled by your past anymore, all right? You're living into the future with God Almighty, all right? You'll be able to use some of that in here, but you know what? Don't look back. You know, too often, man, you know what I mean? We have a hard time giving up the back. We want both worlds, and God's saying, man, there's only one world here. This is such an important message. All right, she looked back, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, man, instead of looking ahead to what God had for her and her family, she looked back at what she was leaving behind. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Man, this is a real story. This really happened. Do you believe this, Ernie? Absolutely. And you're asking, what did that look like? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Lot. I'm asking, what did that look like, bro? And if people say, well, what if Lot's not there? Well, then you can ask him. It's real. This is an important message. This is an important message. Do you get me? This is so important. He said, Jesus went on to say, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. I mean, let me tell you again, again, if, if if you have everything in the world, but you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Remember, we shared that last week. You have nothing at all because everything perishes. Once again, the one who dies with the most toys still dies. 
and somebody else gets their toys. Right? Nothing compares to eternity with Jesus Christ. Not a thing. He says, I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. And I challenge people all the time, man, when you're going to get married, man, the two most important decisions you can make in this life, number one, who you worship, number two, who you marry. That is a very, very important decision. You see, you know, you don't want to be the one that's just the only one in the family who knows Jesus, and there you are saying, see you later. why it's so important for us to make sure that we all know Christ together. There'll be two women grinding. One will be taken and the other left. These two were friends hanging out, man. What are you doing? I'm still doing the same thing, all right? They'll be doing the same thing, man. And he said, one will be taken and the other will be left. All right, where are you going? Why didn't you tell me? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Two men in the field, one will be taken, the other left. And the disciples said to him, where, Lord? Where? And he said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. What does that even mean? When you think about that, think about it. When you see the birds just circling around in the air, usually what does that mean? Something's dead. Something's dead. It's pretty plain what he's saying. What he's saying, what he's saying is that, man, this, and you've got to think about it like this. This is so important. For the unprepared, basically saying, this is going to be a day of judgment. There's hope coming, I promise. Hold on. (laughs) For the unprepared, this is going to be a day of judgment, visible judgment, universal judgment, permanent judgment. It's going to be no turning back, man. And I know that seems harsh right now, and I know it seems kind of scary, but it's not meant to be scary. It's meant to be encouraging, and we're going to get there in a minute, all right? But that's the point. This is real. This is re- Jesus is saying these things. This is real, man, and it's serious, and it's so important. You know, we've lost a lot of people who didn't take this seriously. I've lost people in my life, friends and family who died, man, and they didn't know Christ and they didn't take it seriously. I know this, man, but this is not a time to look back. This is a time to consider and look ahead. This is Jesus' word. That's what he said. That's Jesus' word. And here's what I know about God He always keeps His word. He always keeps his word. So how, so, so what, what do we, how do we not freak out about this? Right? And I don't think we have to. The disciples heard all of this, and instead of freaking out, they chose to get close, man. They got close, and they stayed close. The disciples were right there listening to it, man. They said, I'm with you. Amen. I'm with him. Amen. They got close, man. They stayed close. And here's what I know. When you get close to Christ and when you stay close to Christ, he restores you. He restores you from the inside out. He restores your soul, all right? He restores your inner being. He restores your life. And when you're in that restoration, you're able to hear him a little bit better. And you're here to understand him a little bit better through his word. 
And so when you get close and you stay close, then you can understand how God is leading you in paths of righteousness for his namesake, Psalms 23, 1, or 3. When you get close and you stay close, then you recognize where God, how God, and when God is leading you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And he tells them to get to work. And it gets way encouraging, man. Just a, just a few weeks after this, I would, maybe not even more than a month, he's going to be crucified after saying this. It's getting really intense with some of the things that he's saying. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. He's going to rise from the grave. And he's going to ascend into heaven. Right before he ascends into heaven, he assembles his, his, his disciples his, and his apostles and the people. And in Matthew 28, verse 18, he says this. Jesus came and he said to them, all authority... And heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a large statement, isn't it? But you know what, man? Well, I'm again, once again, I'm with you. <laughs> That's it. I'm with you. The enemy comes messing around. Everything comes messing around. I'm with him. Now what? Mm -hmm. I'm like that little dog and that big dog. Hey, where are we going, Rafi? Where are we going? Everywhere we want to go. Right, just jumping around, man. I'm with you all the way. Amen. He says, all authority has been in heaven, has been given to me, on earth has given to me. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Here we go, man. Here's our work. That was his word. Now it's time for our work. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It starts to get so encouraging, so challenging. We're on fire. We're with God. He's, he's telling us, he's not telling us to go. Too many people look at the word go, and he's like, okay, got to go. All right, when are you going to go? Are you going to go? No, he's He's not saying that the literal translation of this sentence right here is saying is basically as you go, you're already going somewhere. You're already doing something. So when you get close and you stay close, now you'll recognize where he's leading you to go. And now you're recognizing what he wants you to do. So now you're going somewhere with purpose and you're doing something on purpose. Amen. You know the truth. Now it's time for you to make the truth known. Amen. We know the truth. Now it's time to make the truth known. Amen. Check this out. I don't know if you heard me. We know the truth, and now it's time for us to make the truth known. Amen? That's the life he's calling us to live. Amen? That's what he's calling us to live. All right? The main idea for each of us is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And someone's like, what is disciple? I hear it all the time. Lifelong followers of Jesus. Lifelong learners of Jesus. Lifelong proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Disciples, amen, of Jesus. We're to be disciple, we're to be a disciple, and we're to make disciples of Christ Jesus because we know the truth. We just heard the story. It gets crazy for the whole planet. Nobody is exempt from what he just said. But it's up to us, all right, <laughs> to, to, to make disciples of Christ so that, that they know exactly where they stand. And he says to baptize them, man, re referring to the initiation of discipleship, right? You know, the initiation through repentance and submission to the authority of, of Jesus Christ, a commitment to lifelong identification with him and with his church, amen? Lifelong identification with Christ. Who am I? I'm his. That's it. That's all you need to know. 
I'm his. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you what he's doing in my life. Let me tell you what he says. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you what he's doing. Let me tell you what he's going to do. It's all about him. Amen. <laughs> it's pretty dang awesome. I don't know about you, man, but this just freaks me out and I love it. And then he says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, to the time that he just got all the way. I'm with you all the way up to that time. All right. He says, teaching them to, I'm not a teacher. He didn't say you're a teacher, but he wants you to teach everything you know. You're like, I don't know a lot. Let me ask you this. What have you learned so far? What have you learned about Jesus so far? Come on. You know something about Jesus. Amen. Every one of us here, if you didn't know anything walking in here, you know something now. Amen. Teach that. All right? Teach that. Okay? What, what, what has he told you? All right? What have you been commanded so far? What, as, as you're in a word, and you're like, I'm not in the word a lot. You need what the what? You need to be in the word. Of, if you're Jesus people, you need to be word of God people. Amen? That just goes hand in hand. All right? It's not separable. You know, well, I don't know about, you know, just, I'm a Jesus person. I just really get in the Bible. You know what I mean? It's just, that ain't that kind of life. Open the word of God. I guarantee you God is going to start speaking to you because he's already hit us. He, he's a, the Bible is the only book who reads, who reads you back. I mean, there is a, it is the most reliable source of antiquity on the planet, all right? It is the most unique source of work, work, of, work of literature on the whole planet, and I could prove that. I teach a whole seminar on that. But more than that, it is the word of God. It's the word of God. We need to be in the word of God. What have you been learning so far? Tell them that. What have you been commanded so far? Tell them that. Give what you have been getting so far. Amen? We're here to make disciples. All right? And, and when he says to go, man, that this is not necessarily about mission work. We say, oh, this is for missionaries. Cool. I'll send a check. Yeah, send a check, but also send yourself because you are the missionary. And the missionary is not always just somewhere out there. It's not always just somewhere out there, man, all right? It's not always just, you know, somewhere where, oh, I got, I got, I got to get out there, you know? Uh, you know our, it's, it's basically our when, you know, we don't always say, okay, when's that mission going to start? The mission has started the moment you gave your life to Christ. It's a daily mission, all right, that makes disciple making our normal way of life every day, all right? Making disciples of Jesus Christ. We have an abnormal way of life that we used to live before we didn't know Jesus. That is an abnormal way of living. Our normal way of life is knowing God and making him known. Amen? That's the normal way of life. And we get it twisted. We turn it upside down. Every day, Jesus is Lord, man. He's Lord. He's Lord of your street. He's Lord of your neighborhood. Your neighborhood. He's Lord of your family. He's Lord of your whole street. He's Lord of your town. He's Lord of your city. He's Lord of your state. Jesus is Lord of your nation. He's Lord of the whole dang world. But do they know it? How are they going to know if you keep being quiet about it? How will they know that he is Lord if we're always silent about it? He's Lord of all, man. You and I, we know this. Well, why are we going to be quiet about it? Shh, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. They don't even know. You're going to tell them? No, I ain't telling them. Well, we don't keep Jesus in our pockets. He can't fit. Why do you think the universe is so big? It's still not big enough for him. That's why there's more, more, and more, and more. And we don't even know how much more it is because he's that big. Disciples of Jesus Christ are commanded to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no, there's no option. 
Jesus didn't come back and say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, all right? And so if you kind of want to go tell people about me, it's cool. If not, I understand you're kind of, you know, weird about that. And it's okay. I don't want to infringe on your comforts or nothing like that, man. No, I don't want to scare you. No, he's like, get out there. No option. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how we're supposed to live. So a couple of things I want to challenge you with. And I, I would be... I don't know that everyone in here or everyone watching online knows Jesus. I would venture to say it's probably not. So I'll challenge you today, right now, number one, take him for his word and make Jesus the Lord of your life right now. Right now. If you believe in your heart that Christ died on the cross for you, if you can believe in your whole being that he rose from the grave, I'm not disagreeing with the, with the, the storyline. I believe it. I trust. I trust. I trust. And trust is the way of life. It's not just a thing that I, yeah, I trust. It's a way of life. I trust that he rose from the grave. I trust that he is my king. And I trust, and I will declare, I will confess with my mouth that he is Lord of this life right here. I know he's Lord of everything else and I know I've been doing this, but now he is Lord of this life, all right? My decisions, right, go past him first. You know, what do you think? What do you, instead of saying, Lord, give me, I want to, Lord, let me give you. I had the church, I got challenged that the other day. Take, I was like, Lord, give, I wanted to pray. I turned 60, I was like, man, I'm going to be, how much time do I got, Lord? Can I get a couple more? You know what I mean? And I said, you know what, Lord, if I only got one day, let me give you that day. Let me give you, Lord of my life. And if you know God, or today you just came to know God, you need to get close and you need to stay close, man. We need to get close in Christ. We need to stay close. Christ in me for the life of me. Amen? That's how, that needs to be our declaration. Christ in me for the life of me. I'm close, man, and I'm staying close. And you, need, you, get, you get close to me, you're getting close to him. That's just a fact. Amen? That needs to be a fact of our life. And then we just need to get to work and make disciples of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen? Get to work and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Some of you are probably real hungry right now. You want to jet out of here? I want to challenge you. We have a song we're going to sing. It is a declaration song. And after a message like this, you, need to, you really need to sing this song. This is a declaration song that we're going to own and we're going to shout, man, and we're going to sing it and we're going to pray this song right out. So stay with us right now. If you need prayer, we're going to have some people praying. You're probably going to need some prayer after a message like this. This is a big deal. It wasn't meant to scare you, but this was an important message. Please join us. We'll be up here in front with you to pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Love you.